We understand that we are not fighting for victory, right? We are fighting from a place of victory. And God has already won the battle. And uh, we can win through Jesus Christ. But in order to win, we must understand that there is a battle. It's not all just physical, but there's a spiritual battle, corporate spiritual battle, and then personal spiritual battles. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And we know what Ephesians 6 has been saying is that we must stand firm. We've got to stand firm. And what Ephesians 6 at the end of that chapter does uh, for us as, as Paul is wrapping up the letter to the F, church in Ephesus, it's one of his prison epistles. He's, uh, he's in chains, strapped to a Roman soldier, writing these words. He warns us about the day of evil that is coming in verse 13. He says, when the day of evil comes, the idea is that, yes, there's going to be warfare. And you know what? I look at it like this. Any day that we face trouble, or any day that we face opposition, our job as believers is to stand and to stand firm. And how do we do that? We stand by putting on the armor of God. What does it take to win? We've got to start with the belt of truth. To be ready, to be ready to run, to be ready to fight. And we put on the belt of truth and we looked at that. The belt of truth was, it would kind of gird up the loins or the, the, the dresses that the Roman soldiers would wear. It would kind of gather it all together so they would be ready for battle, the belt of truth. The next thing is we need to protect ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness. We need to put on righteousness, literally, to protect our hearts, to protect us. And we do that by pursuing holiness at all costs. And we talked that week, a couple weeks back, that many of the problems that we face as believers is a result of sin in our lives. Not all problems, but many of the problems that we face is a result of sin. And then we put on the shoes a couple weeks ago, John Taylor, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And what's great is we learn that God has reconciled himself. We are not at war with God. Aren't you thankful for that? We are at peace with God. And we talked a little bit about resting and, my, and the, the encouragement my grandma gave me. She said, she said, when you talk about spiritual warfare, she said, tell your church that it's important for the believers to rest. And the idea there is that the devil, he is not able to rest. He cannot. He is seeking who he can devour at all times. He doesn't stop. But we as believers, we can rest in who God is. We can have confidence in who he is. In all these things, we have confidence. We are not alone. God is with us. Amen? But you know what? There's more. And I'm encouraged, and, uh, and I want you to be encouraged. And I'm excited for each of us as we understand these different pieces that God, he is moving us in a direction to be able to accomplish bigger and better things that God is going to want to take us deeper spiritually with him. How many know that when we give our hearts to the Lord, our journey is just beginning? And he wants to take us on a journey and for us to grow. And by understanding these components in our lives, 
we are going to grow. And so I want you to stand with me. Ephesians chapter 6, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible this morning, you can grab a Bible off one of the back tables. And uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 16. And uh, let's, let's look at these verses together. Chapter 6, verse 10 says this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then verse 16, it says this, in addition to all this, or in your Bible, it might say, um, in all things or above all, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I want you to catch two things here. It says, in addition to all these things, right? In addition to all of this, and then the word there is all, that means everything. In addition to all this, or in the King James, it says above all, above everything that's happening around us, it says take up your shield, which you can extinguish, again, all Everyone say all, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And that is God's plan for us to be able to stand that not even one flaming dart or arrow can hit us or penetrate. And and, uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so awesome. We thank you, God, for challenging us to do these things, to put on the full armor of God, to take up the armor of God so we can stand. Lord, our heart is to stand for you in everything we say and everything we do. Lord, strengthen us, help us to grow, and we'll give you the praise and all the glory for it. In your wonderful name, amen. You can be seated this morning. What I want you to notice is that there's a change in the language from verse 14 to verse 16. In verse 14 and 15, it says to put on your shoes or the breastplate, to put on the breastplate or to put on the belt. A sense that we as believers must be ready. We can be confident in the Lord when we are ready for battle. Does that make sense? But when the battle is raging... When things around us seem unnatural, when we have very little or no traction in our lives, when supernatural warfare is on the prowl, verse 16 says not to put on, but it changes and it says what? To take up. In verse 17, the same thing. Let's look at it. Verse 16, it says, take up the shield of faith. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit. We are to do this 
and we need to leave our belt on. But now as we're marching into battle, we need to understand that we need to take up these additional pieces of warfare. Is there anything I can do to help with this? I can do the handheld, sure. Just one, two. All right. There we go. I sound even better with that, right? This morning, I was like a bass. I had no voice at all, and so the Lord is helping me. So we want to leave our belt on. We need to leave our breastplate and our shoes on. But as we're marching into battle, we need to take up some additional pieces of armor. And the first one is the shield of faith. But, you know, I kind of think about it like this. I know some of you are baseball fans, that a baseball player will put on the uniform, which includes a belt, right? They'll put on the cleats. They'll even put on a ball cap and be ready to play. But how many of you know when Verlander is pitching 100 miles plus towards you, you're going to put on a batter's helmet, right? You're going to put an additional piece of equipment on, and you're going to grab a bat so you can fight off those balls and uh, hit one, you know, or try to hit one. And, and it's a, kind of the same idea. As believers, when the battle is raging, we need to pick up some additional pieces. And the first thing, again, that, he, uh, that Paul says to take up in all circumstances is the shield of faith. Now, there are two types of shields that are kind of described uh, that, that Roman soldiers uh, would have had. One is kind of a hand-to-hand com- combat type of shield. If you've ever seen, you know, the gladiators or uh, Captain America's shield, um, you know, it's a small, round shield, circular, and it would pre- protect against a one-on-one battle. If you're, you've got your shield and then a sword, and if you're trying to kill someone or someone's trying to kill you, that shield will protect you from that sword. Now, that is not the type of shield that Paul is talking about here. The type of shield that Paul was talking about is a secondary shield that they would have used as they were advancing into enemy's territory. It was a shield four feet tall, four to four and a half feet tall, two to two and a half feet wide. It had hooks on the side that they could link together. And this Roman shield would have been made of iron and then had two layers of wood. Then they would wrap it with linen and then cover the whole thing with leather. This was one heavy shield. And what they would do is they would dip them in water, and then they would link them together, and it was almost like a tank going into battle that it would protect them. And then the archers would be behind them and be you know, doing their thing. And why did they do this? Is because flaming darts, flaming arrows would have been coming their way. From what I read this week is that, uh, or a couple weeks ago, is that there would be thousands of arrows coming at the Roman soldiers, and they needed to be protected. The shield, when you put them together, is really a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. And I want you to picture that, that we together are the shield. We, are, we link arms together, and we are protected from the enemy's schemes, protecting from the enemy's attacks. Now there's something important that we need to understand. That God says that there are arrows coming our way. This shouldn't be a shock if you've been around with us this uh, this summer, but uh, there are devil the devil has a plan for you to destroy you and to kill you and we've talked about that. 
But some of you say, well, I don't see any arrows coming my way. Well, if that's the case, either you're asleep spiritually or dead spiritually. And what's troubling about that is that when those arrows are attacking, you are unable to respond unless you understand who you are in Christ and you understand this particular uh, shield of faith. So this morning, I want to encourage you and to show you how the enemy attacks. And for some, this will be review, but for some others, this will be enlightening, I'm sure. The fiery darts of the devil are his schemes, are his temptations, are his lies and his attacks on God's people. He hates our guts. The goal of the enemy is to shift our focus onto someone else or onto something else, anything other than God. If the enemy can get us to be afraid, if he can get us to feel guilty or to feel condemned, if he could get us to be discouraged or to lose hope, then he can move our dependency from God to other things. And that's his plan. And it starts right here in the mind. And we understand that. That's what God's Word says. And I was uh, reading a a commentary on uh, Ephesians chapter 6 by Chip Ingram uh, from Walking Through the Bible. Some of you are familiar with who he is. And he kind of describes some different ways that these fiery darts are manifested in our lives. And one of the ways that he wrote was by blasphemous thoughts. And I thought, man, what is he talking about? And as I dug a little deeper and, and I was saying, you know what? That has happened to me. Have you ever been praying before and you have these thoughts of, well, God can't do that. Or if you're praying or seeking God or, or maybe you're fasting and praying and you have all these you know, sinful thoughts like, like I could go do this or I could do that. Or a vulgar word comes to your mind while you're praying. Does that ever happen? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but it does. Or you say, well, you're praying and you're saying, God doesn't really care about me. And these thoughts, they come into our mind and they're from the enemy. They're not from God. How about hateful thoughts? Those are fiery darts. Doubts are fiery darts. The burning desire to sin that can trip us up. Those are fiery darts. You say, well, I just want to party or I just want to you know, get drunk or use drugs or whatever the case might be. Those are fiery darts from the enemy. Have you ever had in your life or in your family unexplainable conflict? Unexplainable conflict? Things just don't make sense? Maybe you and your wife are uh, at each other's throat and you kind of step back and you're like, what is this even about? Or your kids are driving you bonkers and uh, you lose your temper and you're saying, what's going on? Unexplainable conflict. Those are fiery darts from the enemy. Overwhelming times of depression. They kind of sink in and you just can't shake it. The enemy is attacking. And the crazy thing is that Satan has not changed his tactics one bit throughout the years. The first time he attacked anybody was in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. And we'll look at the very first time Satan was on the scene. Leads up to the fall of man, of course. 
Let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than the other wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? Just think about that. Has God ever, or has the enemy ever put thoughts in your mind? Did God really say? Did you hear that right? Is this really how it works? What Satan is doing here and what he does to us is he wants to undermine the authority of the Word of God in our lives. Oh, that doesn't apply to you, or that's just up to interpretation, and that's only one way to interpret. But he says this to Eve, and Adam and Eve, he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the tree of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And so she repeats what God's Word is. And then in verse 4, we see what happens. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And you know what? Satan is still lying from the pit of hell, and he wants to take us down. Every way Satan attacks us always starts with a falsehood, with a lie. And he says this, he says, you will not surely die. And the serpent said to the, said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, what's crazy is you study that, there's a, there's a measure of truth there that their eyes would be open. They would understand good and evil like they've never understood before. But he is twisting the truth. And you need to know that every time Satan attacks, it starts with a lie. Lies like this, oh, no one will know what you're about to do. Or it's not a big deal, Whatever. Or it's not going to affect you. Or you just have to fit in, so you have to do it. Oh, you can sleep with this person or that person. You're going to marry them anyway. Oh, you can drink this or you can smoke that. It won't hurt you. Do what it takes to get ahead. Or lies like this. Oh, God, he's just an insecure God. That's why he creates all these rules. Or lies like this. Well, God, he wants you to be happy. And so do what feels good. Or the lie of God is trying to keep you from something better than what you can experience without the sin. And that's the same thing that he did in Matthew chapter 4. Turn with me there to the temptation that that Satan came and tempted Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. It's interesting that Satan's schemes have not changed one bit. In uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led, to the, led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No, no kidding. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He was saying, look, you can do this. You can accomplish this. There's something better than what God's plan is for your life. And you know what? The enemy does the same thing for us. Then the devil took him to the holy city and and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. He says, if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, 
And he's saying, look, there's something better. There's a better plan than God's plan for you to head to the cross. And he's tempting him. And, of course, Jesus each time combated him with Scripture, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the message today. And each time, and then it says the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all of this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. You know what's crazy? That same idea comes into our heads. This same Satan comes and tempts us and he twists things, and, and he lies to us and tries to get us to do things that will separate us from our Heavenly Father. And I would submit that all of us are suspect to that. Lies like this. Well, I'll do this sin, and then I can minister, or I can be a witness in that area. I remember telling my grandma that when I was about 11 or 12 years old. I've shared that story before. You know, it was in the back of my dad's Lincoln uh, town car, 76 town car, and trying to convince my, my grandma that I needed to drink and smoke so I could have a testimony. And uh, it's like, okay, those thoughts don't come from God. That is the enemy trying to trick our brains. And you know what? The devil's schemes, they will tire you out. They'll wear you out. They'll get you to be self-absorbed and self-centered. If he can get you to doubt, saying, oh, this is the only one interpretation, or, or how do you know that that was God when God speaks to your heart? Or fiery darts like this, oh, that's so old-fashioned, so legalistic, or that's only in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Or when it comes to giving or tithing, the, the enemy would love to trip you up and he sends fiery darts saying, is that really true? Ah, oh, no, that church, all they want is your money. Or how do you know that God healed that person? They were going to get better anyway. Right? And there's darts Flaming darts coming our way. Flaming darts at work saying, oh, you can sell that. Well, it's not completely true, but sell it anyway. Or when it comes to the IRS dealing with taxes, I know it's not tax season, but you know how easy is it when you're doing your own taxes, TurboTax, you plug in one way, right? It's like, okay, refund 500. You back it up, plug in a different way, refund five grand. Am I the only one that's ever been there? <laughs> it's like, what do you do? The enemy would love to trip you up. He'd love for you to be bitter and walk around and say, do you know what they said? Or to, to remember the, the things, the offenses of others. In our relationships with our, within our families, and uh, husband and wives, the enemy comes in and he attacks. He says things like, well, to a husband, he would say, oh, well, you're the provider. What does she do all day anyway? And, you know, want to have a grip on all of the money. There's arrows. And what's crazy is these arrows, like in the warfare that the Romans would have experienced, they are flaming darts. They would put pitch or uh, uh, tar on these arrows. They would light them on fire and send them over and try to attack the enemy. And the fact is, is that every day there are thoughts, there are actions, there is spiritual warfare happening around us. And it's more common than we may realize. Where do these thoughts come from? 
from the devil. He would love to take us down. And the reality is that you have your armor on, but Satan keeps on attacking. Now, I'm not talking about that there's a demon under every bush. I hope you understand that. We, you know, we're not afraid of the enemy. We, aren't, we, are, we don't walk in fear. But the, the truth is, especially for believers that love the Lord and are trying to do His will, the enemy does attack. And it's a constant attack. But the good news is that the enemy does not get his way. Amen? And that is good news. We need the shield of faith to be ready. I've been encouraged uh, this week as I was praying and asking the Lord that when my kids go back to school, I need to be preparing them for these types of spiritual attacks just because they're my kids and what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. He would love nothing more than to take my kids down or your kids for that matter. And so we need to teach our kids, saying, hey, we're in a warfare. And it's not scary, but we have the victory through Jesus. The bottom line is that the darts, the arrows of doubt and deception and lies must, must, must be met with a shield of faith. So how does this faith work? And I want to show you. There's a few things. The first thing is in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, let's turn there with me. Unbelievable verse here. It kind of sheds some light on this subject. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, verse 8, says resist him. Well, it's, first of all, let's back it up in verse 8. It says your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is not a pretty picture. This is not you know, some fairy tale. The devil, the enemy, is literally looking to take you down. But then in verse 9, it says to resist him, standing firm in the what? In the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We resist the devil by standing firm in faith. 1 John 5.4 says it is our faith that helps us to overcome. And when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, in all these things, in all these matters, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Five things, quickly, if you're taking notes, that faith does that are so important. The first thing is that faith directs us to believe in God. Faith directs us to believe in God. There is a God. His Word is true. The battle tries to take you out, but no, you trust God for who He is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This is powerful. Turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must what? Believe. Everyone say believe. Must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So it starts with our belief and our faith. It directs us back to God, to who He is and what His Word says. There is a God. His Word is true. The second thing that faith does is it points us to God's power. 
God is our shield. Genesis chapter 15. This is a great story too. In Genesis chapter 15, the story of Abraham and Sarah. Um, and um, they had been prophesied that they're going to be this great nation. And uh, it says in verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Because Abraham is afraid. He says, Do not be afraid, Abram. He hasn't changed his name yet. He says, This is God talking. He says, I am your shield and your great reward. But Abram says, Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You shall, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall the offspring, your offspring be. And then in verse 6, it says that Abram believed in the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. What's amazing about this is that Abram, at his old age, he believed what the word of the Lord was. Now, what we're talking about here, having faith, it points us to God's power, is important. Faith in faith is lame, but faith in God is powerful. I read this, uh, I think it was David Jeremiah, I didn't write out down who it was, but it says that faith is only as good as the object toward which it is directed. You can believe in a lot of things that aren't going to do you any good, but if you believe in the power of God, we can trust God for amazing things. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Kind of is the follow-up of that story. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 says this, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. That verse 20, look at this. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Listen to me, church. You can trust God. In His Word. God is a powerful God. In what faith does, it directs us first to believe in God, but it also points us to the power of God in our lives. And we need that. The third thing that faith does, it quickly applies truth. Yep, there's a God. We understand His power. But then there comes action. We understand this and this and this about God and about our circumstances, therefore, I am going to do the right thing. The therefore is the action piece. James chapter 2, verse 17 says that without faith, or uh, faith without works is what? It's dead. So what's right? If you're sick and you've prayed before, is that you keep on praying. You keep on seeking the Lord. If you're bitter and you're having trouble forgiving, what do you do? You keep on forgiving. You keep on asking for forgiveness. You keep on giving forgiveness. If 
you are uh, prideful and you're struggling in that area, you keep on humbling yourself. You keep on asking God. You do what is right. Faith quickly moves you to action, to apply the truth in the circumstance. The fourth thing is that faith results in God's protection. I love this. Psalm chapter 18. Turn with me there. Psalm chapter 18, verse 30. Psalm 18, verse 30 says this. It says, For you, God, or as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield in all who take ref- for all who take refuge in Him. Aren't you glad that God's, when we, when we trust Him, it results in protection? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And what? They are saved. They're safe. Kind of like we're singing, singing Hosanna. Save us, God. And then the fifth thing, quickly, is that faith lights our way. Psalm chapter 84, turn with me there. Verse 11 says, For the Lord is a sun. He shines away and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those who walk, whose walk is blameless. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know which way to go? You didn't know which way to turn? Well, God's Word says as we trust in Him, as we put our faith in Him, that He will light our way. The Word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He provides victory in our lives when we put our faith in Him and He helps us. Now when, uh, what's interesting about all of this is that as believers, we need to understand these things. In fact, these five points this week have been uh, just mulling over my mind and oh, really for the last couple weeks. And I've had to use some of these things. I've had to say to myself, okay, God, I trust in you. Uh, God, I believe in your power to do miracles. I've had to say to myself, God, I'm going to apply your truth. I'm going to walk in your ways. And I'm thankful that God, as I've trusted him, he's protected me and my family. And you know what? I believe that God is lighting a way for me in some areas that I've been believing God for. God is a great God. Church, there's some times in our lives that we can expect to be under attack, maybe even more than we normally would. There are times that we're more susceptible, and I want to talk about these as we wrap up this morning. When can we expect spiritual attack? One of the commentaries that I've been enjoying through the series is by David Jeremiah. And he lists five different times that the enemy will attack. He will ramp it up where he will come after you with a vengeance. And I want to go over these with you because it's important for us to understand. The first one is when we are growing spiritually. When we are in God's Word, when we're on our knees, we understand that the enemy, he will attack in those circumstances. 
When you decide to get up and do your devotions in the morning, the enemy is going to attack. And not only is he going to attack you, he's going to attack those around you. He's going to put ideas in your mind. He's going to put thoughts. Oh, I can sleep in. I can do that. Whatever. When you are growing spiritually, that is a time that you can expect for the enemy's flaming darts to be coming your way. Does that make sense? The second thing is that when you decide to do what God tells you to do in regards to the Great Commission, to be an evangelist, to share your faith, when you invade the enemy's territory, you better believe he's not just going to say, okay, come on in. So when you witness, when you are an evangelist, wherever you are, wherever you are, you got to understand that the spirit or the, the enemy will attack. The third time is when you expose the enemy for who he is. When you shine light on the enemy's schemes. In your family, when you stand up and say, you know what? There's something not natural going on here. And we need to come against it in the name of Jesus. You better believe the enemy. He's not just going to lay over, but he's going to attack. He's going to continue to bombard you and your family. When we expose the enemy for who he is, we can expect spiritual attack. There's a couple other things. When you decide in your life to break away from the ways of the world, maybe your business practice, bring that in line with godly ways. Or maybe you're used to cheating on all kinds of tests at school, students, and you say, you know, this year is going to be different. Or maybe you have a trouble stealing or, or with drugs or alcohol or things like that. When you decide to break away from the pattern of the world, the enemy, he hates that. And he will attack. And the fifth one that David Jeremiah listed really caught my attention is that there are times in our lives when God is preparing you or us corporately or preparing me for blessings. When blessings are on their way, the enemy will often attack. When God is up to something, there can be spiritual attack. I see that sometimes before a Sunday morning service. I feel, you know, I prepared and praying, asking God to move, and there's some interruption. And some of it's my personality, and I understand that, but sometimes it's just the enemy trying to distract or to get my attention in a different way. We had some of our students, uh, they're not here today, uh, that were, went to warfare camp. The very next week, uh, uh, little Abigail Efkin uh, goes off to band camp. Uh, not band camp, but is it marching camp? Yeah, band camp, basically. And uh, she described to, to Eric, saying, man, it was like going from spiritual victory right to the battleground. <laughs> and that's how it is. Sometimes when God is moving, the enemy is right there. He's attacking. But what we don't have to be is afraid. We can put our hope in Jesus. 
See, we can be fearful or we can be full of faith. And as believers, God wants us to be full of faith. Turn with me again to Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to read this verse again. And I know we've read it a couple times. Verse 16 says this, But in addition to all of this, or in your version it might say, Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That is confidence. You can do it. See, church, faith is a central part to our walk with God. It's right at the center of who we need to be. We need to surrender our lives to the Lord, which I know many of you have, most of us have, if you have them, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. But then we need to walk by faith and let God help us. I don't know what you're facing this morning, this summer, where the trouble is, where the opposition is. But you know, there's some things in our lives that are kind of common to all of us. Things that we can kind of expect to maybe struggle with. But you know what? Every time there's a trouble, every time there's an opposition, every time there's an attack, there is a promise in God's Word that is right there if we search and look for it. And I want to go through a couple things here as we prepare to pray and then we'll close. But I want you to think, first of all, about the temptation to sin. We're all tempted to sin. I don't care who you are. There are areas in our lives that the devil would love to trip us up. And when we are tempted to sin, we can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to what it says. says that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath it. Isn't that powerful? What, what, where are you tempted to sin? Can you remember this verse? Can you jot it down? 1 Corinthians 10, 13? And turn there and say, God, I know I'm being tempted, but give me a way out. Help me to walk in victory. What about in your life in, in regards to finances? See, the enemy, he would love to mess with your, with your checkbook. He would love to, to get you to think that, that he has left you high and dry. But we know that Philippians 4, verse 19 says this. And my God will meet all your needs, all my needs, according to His riches and glories. 
And so when you're, the trouble is all around you, there's opposition all around, you can take God's word as true and say, God, I'm trusting in you in regards to finances. How about when it comes to strength and endurance? And you're just, you know, you're tired of the fight. Well, Philippians 4.13 says this. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I love that. That's one of my mantras when I run, especially when I run long distances. I get that in my mind, and I just, I just repeat it over and over and over. But to know that God is there to strengthen us, to give us endurance for the long haul. How about when adverse circumstances come along? We can turn to James chapter 1, verses 2, or yeah, 2 through 4. It says this, Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever trials you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You're saying, man, there's adversity all around me. God, what are you doing? You can turn to God's Word and say, God, I know you're maturing me. You're helping me out. Isn't that awesome, God's Word? How about this? When you're looking at the future and you're saying, God, my future is so uncertain. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to go. Well, Psalm 84, verse 11, is God's promise for you. We read it earlier. For the Lord is... God is a sun and a shield. He will light your way. He will protect you even when your future is uncertain. I love what Isaiah 41.10 says about fear. When fear kind of grips us. Turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Oh man. Isaiah 41 verse 10. And I read these we're taking some time because I believe God wants to minister through His Word. Verse 10 says this, So do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Do not dismay, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. See, God doesn't forget about you. He hasn't let you go. He's not He's not there just saying, well, I hope you make it. He's there to be with you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, when we come, become anxious, I love what it says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, giving thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Christ Jesus. And then the last one, if you could turn with me to Psalm 23. Many of you have memorized this, and it's deep down in your heart. But when you're in crisis mode, when things are tough, when there's opposition of all kinds of things, we can turn to God's Word. Listen to what it says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen? I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores our soul. He guides me 
in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I would emphasize there that we're walking through tough times. We don't set up camp there. But we do experience hard times. And then we don't need to fear. It says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and, and love will follow all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I took some time to look at some of these circumstances. Because the reality is, we're all, like I said a couple weeks ago, we're all either heading into a battle as believers, or we're in a battle, or we just finished a battle. That's just the reality. There are thousands of ways that the enemy attacks. But we have victory. And we walk in confidence. We walk by faith. God helps us. And this morning, like a shield, I want you to walk out of here with your faith strengthened, your faith high. And there are some here that may need some support, some that are really struggling. And we need to lock arms together that picture of the shields together, locked, interlocked like a tank, is a picture of the body of Christ. We can walk together. And when your faith might be weak, my faith can make up the difference. And when my faith is weak, your faith can kind of protect from those flaming arts, darts as well. That's God's plan for you. That's what Jesus wants. For each of us. Can you stand with me this morning? Before we pray and before we consider how God may want to move in your life and we want to pray for those that are struggling and give some opportunity for that and we want to stand together. But before we do all that, is there someone here this morning that as I've been talking, you understand that that you not surrendered your life to Jesus? You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior? Because that's where it starts. That's where faith begins. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, would you would you be interested today in surrendering your life to the Lord? Just by a show of hands. If you're here this morning and that's you, you want to be prayed for if you're saying, yep, that's me. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. Anyone at all? Looking all over the place. Let me see your hands. Anyone at all? Okay. I don't see any hands this morning. All right, all eyes on me for a moment. This morning, I want to pray for you. No matter what you may be facing, that God I want you to know that God, He's there. We want to direct you back to God, saying, yep, I believe in God. I believe in His power. I not only believe in, his, in God, I believe in His power, but it's going to move me to action. And the result of that is protection, and He lights our way. How about that? 
If you need to be prayed for today, say, man, I'm in the battle. I'd love to link arms with a couple believers. Would you just be so bold just in this moment, just to slip out from where you are and come up front? We're not going to make a big spectacle of you, but we want to pray with you. We want to ask God to strengthen you. So if that's you, just would you move? We want to pray. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Who else needs God to be with them in this season of their life? Today, this week, there's some things you're facing. Saying, Man, I, I could use some prayer. My guess is there's more. Is anyone else? Just slip out right where you are. Just give you another moment or two. Yeah. Amen. Who else? Yeah. Yeah. Say, man, I could use a infusion of faith this morning. I need my shield to be strong. I need to dip it in some water so those fiery darts are extinguished. Anyone else? Just give you another moment. Just to slip out. Yeah, thanks. Amen. Amen. You say, why do I have to move? Well, you don't have to move out. But you know there's something about taking a stand, moving forward, trusting God. It's the action piece. Our faith moves us to action, to apply the truth. And you know what? We're going to pray and we're going to ask God. We're going to link arms with these folks. Anyone else? belabor this, but anyone else just sensing, God, I need you in this season. All right, this is what I'm going to ask for the rest of you. I'm going to ask that you'd move from your seats here in the next few moments and come and link arms. And We're going to pray with these folks. We're going to be the body of Christ just for the next few moments. We're going to trust God. You can ask if you know them personally, you can say, hey, how can I be praying for you? I'd encourage you to do that. And then pray in confidence, believing for God to do miracles and to move on their behalf. Can we believe that together? Amen. Amen. Let's do that. Would you move from right where you are? I'm going to ask everyone to come and find someone here. Just let's surround them like shields coming together, interlocking, trusting God to move on their behalves. Oh God, we pray. Oh God, we need you, Lord to move and to, to, to minister, Lord, right now, God. Lord, you know the intricate details of all of our lives. And Lord, we just call upon you, God, for you to inject us with great faith that we can walk in confidence, Lord, trusting you. Lord, whether it's surgery or whether it's our kids that we're standing for, whether it's something physical or something just flat-out spiritual attack, whether it's temptation to sin or whether it's anxiety or fear. Lord, whatever the case, Lord, strengthen us, God. If it's a financial need, God, you are in control. Lord, we trust you, God. Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We stand together, the body of Christ. Oh, God, move. Move, Lord, like you can only move. Move, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. God. We take a stand together, God. Lord, we trust you. We give you our lives, God. Oh, God, we pray. 
Hallelujah, God. Lord, we trust you, God. picture and uh, if you're sitting by yourself maybe kind of slide and just connect uh, with someone just grab their arms just let's lock together in prayer from the front to the back and let's just believe almost as if we're one body which we are that we are moving forward that we're taking ground in Jesus name hallelujah Lord we lock our arms together Lord 
We've got our shoes on. We've got our breastplate on. We've got our belt on. But Lord, we take up the shield of faith. We lock our faith together. When we are weak, you are strong. Lord, we stand together. We come against the enemy's schemes. The enemy has no authority here. Lord, I pray for provision, for strength, for endurance, God, for wholeness, for healing. Lord, we lock our arms together, standing for you and with you. Lord, we understand that we do not fight for a victory, but we fight from a place of victory. Lord, we stand in who we are. We're confident. And Lord, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us, God. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. We pray it all. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. What a beautiful picture. God's grace. God's provision for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what's great? I didn't have to pray for any of you. I'm I'm not feeling well. I didn't want to transfer any of that. It's the body of Christ. God knows. He's already won the victory. We just stand together saying, God, we are, we are victors. Just say that. I I get the victory. (laughs) I get the victory. Yeah. We have the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If there's anything you would like prayer for specifically other than what we prayed for, these altars are open. We can anoint you with oil. Some of the elders of the church would be happy to stick around and do that uh, with me. Um, But go in the confidence that is ours. Amen? Trust Him in who God is. Keep your head high and trust Him. Bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. like you don't want to leave when the presence of God is so thick. Amen? (laughs) Lord, we love you. Just in your own words, just thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You are awesome, Lord. You are faithful, God. You are most high. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for working on our behalf. We walk in confidence. We walk in confidence, Lord. We walk in confidence personally, but corporately as well. And we walk as a body of believers, trusting God for the impossible. Lord, we walk in your ways. Lord, light our path. Continue, Lord, to show us your ways. Continue to provide. Oh, Lord, we thank you. 
thank you, God. Oh, we bless your name. Bless your name. want to give opportunity if anyone wanted to share a quick testimony maybe how God's working in your life anybody feel led to share a quick testimony before before we dismiss completely just give that opportunity maybe something that the Lord's kind of bubbling up inside you want to share if not no problem daughter's birthday and my grandson and I made a cake but I let him totally decorate this cake totally by himself and uh, I said well, we'll put it in the bedroom and when, when Emily comes home then she won't see it till we have her party tonight it was just family so he put it in the bedroom and he wanted to put it on the floor in, the, in his parents bedroom and I said no he can't do that I said because the dog will get it and so I said we'll put it on the dresser well I put it on the dresser and it stayed there all day about six o'clock I went to the bedroom and the cake wasn't there <laughs> and I looked and sure enough it was on the floor and the dog had got it <laughs> he flicked it all the little decorations that Farrell had put on now he's seven and I said Farrell I said Farrell did you did you move that cake no I didn't move it I didn't move it like that you know he was scared because I was a little upset and I said Somebody had to move the cake because I checked with all the other kids and there was five other kids and nobody moved the cake. And I said, I, I, I was just like this and I thought, you know, and I went to walk away and the Holy Spirit said to me, it's just a cake. And I said, yeah, that's right, it's just a cake. So I walked back and I said, he looked at me and said, are you smiling, Nana? And I said, yeah, Farrell, because the Holy Spirit told me it was just a cake. And I said, please forgive me for getting upset with you. Well, I took care of the cake and stuff like that. And I, I, next morning, I, well, that said, my son came in, and he, he said, I tell him about the, the deal, and nobody owned up to it. And he right away said, I'll, you know, called him up. And I said, no, just let him be. I said, we already took care of him. He says, Mom, you would never let us get away with not telling the truth. So he, he, called, he called little Farrell up there, and I went in the kitchen. Next thing I hear is, Mom, would you come here? Little Farrell has something he wants to say to you. And he, if you can picture this, he's sitting in his daddy's lap, curled up into his chest, and he's, he's crying. And my son gently said, Now, Farrell, you got something you have to say to Nana. He said, you have two things. I lied and I disobeyed and, but he was just leaning into his father's chest all right and that's the picture I want you to see because the next morning I was praying and I said God you know I, I kind of was a, a, a yeller maybe or a quick reaction person and I said I've got it down to about three minutes <laughs> but <laughs> I said but I'm you know 72 and I like to have it where I didn't react like that at all and God said to me, he said, but I want you to see something. He said, I want you to take a picture and look at your son and his son sitting in his lap and leaning against his chest. 
he says, I want you to see how he got the strength to do what he needed to do, to own up to what he needed to own up to. And he said, I wanted you to see you with me the same way. And that's the way God wants you guys to see you. That it's just cake. All right? It's just cake. How important is it? It's good. Amen. God, there's nothing that we can do to make God love us anymore. There's nothing we can do that would cause God to love us any less. And that is a huge comfort. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Well, want to share. Don't want to rush off. Dennis, yeah. I believe what God wants me to share a little bit from what he's been uh, showing me uh, just recently in his word and talking about faith. And It's in Romans chapter 5 and Pastor touched on a portion of the scripture earlier today. And um, he's talking about the faith that Abraham had. We are heirs um, through Jesus, but also through Abraham. It says, uh, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. In which we stand grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God but it's the next part that really caught my attention because he says more than that more than rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God we rejoice in our suffering we don't, want, we don't like to talk about suffering. We like to skip over that part. Peter, Pastor mentioned Peter. Peter says, count it all joy, brother, when you encounter all these various trials because it's testing your faith and producing character. And Paul says it very similarly. He says, so more than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character character produces hope and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given to us God's love has been poured out in our hearts because through how do we know that because he's given us his Holy Spirit so we rejoice in hope. We can rejoice in our suffering. Thanks for sharing that. I'll tell you, the Hardy family are a living example of that. And, uh, thank you, guys, for the example that you guys have been. Praise the Lord.
thank you for meeting us here this morning. Thank you for walking with us, Lord. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're incredible. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know our every thought, every move. Even before we do it. First Peter 5, we read, you know, stand firm against the enemy. Be strong in your faith. Remember, this is a different version, but it says, remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And then in verse 10, Virginia is saying, it says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore. He will support and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. Wow! Yeah. All power to Him forever. Amen. Peter. Wow, thanks. It's really powerful. in my spirit that there may be someone, maybe one or two that that, are, that would like to maybe share some of the things they're facing. Uh, not to disclose or over-disclose, but maybe it's, it would help us to be able to walk with you. Um, and uh, no pressure here if, if no one has anything to say, but just wonder, wonder if, that, uh, if there's something that you would like some corporate prayer together for before we dismiss. Um, anyone at all want to share in that way? Saying, hey, this is this is what I'm facing. This is what my family's facing. Anyone at all? 
want to stand with Dominica and some of the health issues that she's facing and uh, understanding her body and helping the doctors and some of the medications and things if you didn't hear everything she was saying. Yeah, we can stand with you. Amen. Amen. Anyone else want to share maybe something that the Lord is bringing you through? pray with you, and uh, if you want to just put your hand on Dominica's shoulder, maybe Dolores and John, just uh, reach out, Judy, you can turn around, John and Judy, that'd be awesome. Let's just lift them up. Lord, we thank you for Dominica, for her heart for you. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have created her body. You know the intricate details of her body from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, and God, I just pray that you would do a miracle in her life. Lord, that her body would be restored, would be whole in Jesus' name. Lord, that the complications that she's experienced would be diminishing and gone by your power. We ask this for your glory, for your honor. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 